Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or walmart.com. Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four. We are super excited today to have Chelsea with us. She had a vaginal birth after two cesareans, and her baby was breech. She has an amazing video that just inspired me, and so when I contacted her, she said she would gladly share, and I just can't wait to hear the full detailed story. Chelsea, can you uh, share that with us today? Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. Um, I'm really excited because I think that breech birth is something that women need to see, they need to be aware of, they need to know that this is a possibility. Um, With my first two pregnancies, um, they resulted in cesareans because of breech presentation. Uh, My first son was born in 2011, and um, I went into labor with him. I had a really normal pregnancy. and it was assumed that he was head down. Um, so when I went into labor, I went to the hospital. My labor progressed really quickly. Um, the doctor that was on call that day um, didn't think that I was progressing as quickly as I was because I was a first-time mom. I was young. She just thought that I wasn't um, dealing well with labor. So I... Um, I was in my room, I was laboring, the nurse kept calling her. When she finally did come, it was about two hours after I got to the hospital, um, she came in and my son was, his feet were out. And um, she lifted up the blanket and she was like yelling, breach baby, breach baby. And my husband and I are like looking at each other, thinking like, no way, this baby's head down. Um, 
So the hospital policy at that specific hospital is that breech babies do not, they do not come out vaginally. So the doctor in um, her panic grabbed my son by the feet and pushed him back up into my body and brought me down for an emergency C-section. We didn't really oh have time gosh. to... We didn't oh really my have time, I know, right? <laughs> we didn't really have time to, to really think about it or, like, comprehend what was happening. It was just all of a sudden, they're, like, we're gowning up, my husband's gowning up, I'm in a room by myself. We hadn't prepared for a C-section because I just didn't really think that that was going to happen. Um, so I was devastated because I, I just felt like I didn't have a say. I didn't get a chance to be like, well, no, like he's already almost out. Like, let me push. Um, it was just my, my, my voice was gone. Um, so after he was born, he was born healthy. Everything was great. Um, he did have to stay in the hospital for a couple of weeks because he was born at 35 weeks. Um, but after his, after his birth, he was, he thrived. He, he did really well. He was six pounds. Um, but my husband and I kind of talked about the idea of not having any more kids because that experience was pretty traumatic for both of us. Um, a year later, we decided that, that we were going to continue to have children and we got pregnant again. Um, this time I decided that I was going to have a midwife. Um, I felt like my chances of a vaginal birth were higher with a midwife. I felt like, um, I wouldn't be quieted. My voice wouldn't be lost in the mix of things if something were to happen um, if I had a midwife. So I, what, I got in contact with a local midwifery group. I was accepted right away. Um, again, I had a very normal pregnancy. Um, at 33 weeks, we found that baby was breached. Um, so we went on... In the pregnancy, just assuming that baby would flip, there was still lots of time. About a week later, my water had broken, um, and labor didn't start. So I was transferred to um, a city hospital because where I live, they don't have a hospital that's equipped with, like, a NICU. So I was transferred out of midwifery care into the care of an OB that I, had, I hadn't met yet. Um, so I went to the, the city hospital, and I was in the hospital for two days. Um, the two days I basically spent trying to keep my baby in. Um, there was no signs of distress. Um, he was doing fine. I was doing fine. And I just wanted to carry on in my pregnancy. Um, at the time, the resident doctors were very... Um, eager to learn. They wanted to see a birth. They wanted to get a baby out. Um, at the time, my husband was going back and forth because we had a, a two-year-old at home. And one day after I had, I had decided that I was going to sign um, an AMA saying that I recognized that there were risks, but I wanted to go home to carry on my pregnancy. Um, the resident doctor pulled my husband aside on his way in to see me and told him that if I didn't stay in hospital and have our baby that day, that he would have to prepare himself to determine whose life they would save. Um, even though there was no indication that either of us were at risk, um, 
they knew that he was the weaker link. And um, so my husband came into the room and he was like, Chelsea, we need to have this baby today. Like, I, I don't want to risk this. So um, because the baby was breached, because I was only 34 weeks, the hospital policy um, is that a baby cannot be born under 37 weeks if the baby is presenting breach. Um, also, there's a weight restriction as well. It's 5.5 pounds. Um, so I just didn't have, I, again, I didn't have an option. I didn't have a voice. Like, my, my husband was terrified, so we, we had a baby. We, um, we planned the cesarean that day. And we had another little boy, and he, again, was born perfectly healthy. He was over six pounds. He spent a little bit of time in the hospital, but he, he's fine. He's four. Um, so after that birth, we, we weren't really sure that we were going we to do it again because it just felt like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, after my second son was born, the resident doctor came into the, um, the, uh, the OR and said that um, I just, I, I would never be able to have a vaginal birth. Like I just, I make breech babies and um, if we were to have another pregnancy, another baby, that we would just plan the C-section at 38 weeks if I could get there and, and that would be that. Um, and to me that was devastating because again, like, like I said before, having your voice taken from you, having no say in your birth experience is something that really alters your perception of yourself. Um, birth is supposed to be something that is beautiful and it, it's empowering. And when you don't get that feeling, when you don't have that moment of I did it, whether it was through a vaginal birth or through a cesarean or however you birth your baby, whether it's at home, in a hospital, outside, in the backyard, it, it doesn't matter as long as it's what mattered to you, as long as it's what's empowering to you. And for me, I didn't have any of that. I, it felt like all of that was taken from me because I just had no choice. So um, my husband and I decided that this time we were for real, we weren't having any more kids. Um, and then we surprisingly got pregnant with our daughter. Um, that pregnancy, when we first found out about it, it's supposed to be a, a moment where you're excited and you're like, you just can't wait. You like, you're instantly in love and you have all these emotions. And for both of us, it was like, we, we wanted her, we loved her from the beginning, but the idea of another pregnancy was scary to us. It was sad to us. Um, so after the initial shock of that pregnancy, um, my husband and I, researched providers in the city closest to us. So um, I reached out to my local ICAM group and got in contact with a doctor who was assumed to be supportive of a vaginal birth after more than one C-section. Um, and where I live, that's not something that you hear about a whole lot. Um, the hospital where I gave birth um, to my daughter I was the first person to have a vaginal birth after two C-sections. So it just really wasn't something that was overly supported in the community. Um, although this one doctor, the doctor that I, I did end up going with, um, was incredible. She, as soon as she met me, as soon as she heard my story, she had 
only like high hopes for me. She supported me. She believed in my ability. She wasn't worried about a breach presentation. She was trained in breach birth. Um, there, now there were policies that had to be, we kind of had to work through. Um, but I mean, it was from the beginning, she supported me. Um, so I met with her when I was about 14 weeks. Um, and like I said, everything, she was very supportive. Um, we kind of put a plan into play at my very first appointment. Um, just that we were going to monitor the baby closely for position um, and um, kind of just go from there. Um, when I was about 28 or 29 weeks, my baby was breached. <laughs> and um, again, we weren't concerned. We just then started really planning for a breach VBAC. Um, from there on, I had ultrasounds every two weeks. Um, because I was also classified as a high-risk pregnancy because I had had two preterm births. Um, so they were monitoring baby's weight and baby's position. At 34 weeks, um, my daughter was in frank breech position, which is the optimal breech position. Um, and we were then putting things into play for if I were to go into labor. Um, at that point, I reached out again to my local ICANN group because I... Um, I was under the understanding that the hospital in which I was delivering, um, if you, when you go into labor, the doctor that you see throughout your pregnancy isn't necessarily the one that's going to be there to catch your baby. And because there wasn't a lot of support in the area, my concern was that she was going to be not on call the day that, or the night that I went into labor. Um, so I reached out again to my local ICANN group. I got in touch with um, a doula who actually had a breech vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, and she was with a midwife. And this midwife is known for her um, advocacy and support in the breech community. Um, she travels. She's um, published. She's, she's very well known. She's wonderful. And um, I got in contact with her, and she tried to take me on as a client, but again, because of the lack of support in, in my area with um, vaginal birth after more than one C-section, um, it just wasn't possible. She just didn't have the support from her colleagues. Um, so what happened was she then joined in on my birth team with my OB. So... Um, they kind of organized what would happen if one wasn't on call, the other one would be. Um, and I then carried on my pregnancy. Um, I went to 40 weeks. My daughter was born on her, her due date. Um, the day before, uh, my water broke the morning um, around 8 o'clock. And that wasn't something that was uncommon to me, like my water had broken twice before. So I kind of knew what was happening. Um, I called my midwife, and she had told me that it's fairly common for your water to break and labor not to start for 12 to 24 hours. Um, so she told me to carry on my day as normal and just to kind of touch base with her throughout the day and let her know what was happening. Um, so during that time, I was monitoring um, my baby's heart rate because four days prior to my water breaking, I had an ultrasound, and in that ultrasound, 
they determined that the the umbilical cord was sitting on top of my cervix and my daughter's foot was pressing on top of the the cord. Now, nobody was really concerned about that because lots can happen, babies move. But it was just something that we were aware of because technically that is cord presentation. So um, when my water broke, that was something that, that um, both my doctor and my midwife had mentioned was to just kind of keep an eye on that um, and to, to monitor her heart rate. Um, so we went all day, all evening, nothing was going on, no contractions, nothing. So at um, about 11 o'clock at night, I'm, I text my midwife saying, like, I'm going to go to bed. I'll probably see you in a few hours. Um, I woke up at 1.30 um, to contractions, and they were strong, um, and they were coming about three minutes apart. So I got up, and I was determined that I was just going to stay home for as long as possible because I I've read so many stories of women who say, like, stay home as long as you can, as long as you can tolerate it, um, because you're less likely to have intervention if you're not somewhere where they can intervene. So um, I stayed at home. I bounced on my my little ball. Um, I took a shower. At about 3.30, I woke my husband up and said, you know, I think we need to go to the hospital. I've been tracking my contractions on a little app on my phone. And my app had already told me, like, okay, you should be calling an ambulance now. Like, you're going to be pushing your baby out. And I kind of ignored that a few times. And um, I then woke my husband up. We got our kids ready. um, And we drove an hour to the hospital. Uh, When we got to the hospital, my labor basically just stopped. I was, as soon as I walked in the doors, I was, like, terrified. I was, like, this can't happen again. Like, it, it has to be different this time. And although I trusted my birth team, um, I just didn't trust the system. I, I was worried that it was going to fail me again, and it ended up affecting my body and my, everything just shut down. Um, I had told my doc, I had texted my doctor saying, like, my contractions are this close. I sent her a screenshot of my app, um, and then I get there I'm in this conversation, and there is no contractions whatsoever. Um, so she brings me into the room, into like the birth room, and um, they hook me up to the monitors. Um, I get ready. I get into the bed. Um, I miss her eyes, and as soon as she came in, I just felt calm. I just felt like, okay, like I know she's got my back. I know that this is going to be okay. I need to get out of this bed. I need to walk, and I need to have a baby. Um, so that's exactly what I did. As soon as she was there, I got out of bed. Um, I was walking around. My contractions started picking up again. Um, at this time, I, um, it was probably about 5.30, quarter to 6 in the morning, um, and my labor had started again. Um, so I was walking. I was, we were laughing and joking. We were just having a really good time. Um, and at about 10 to 7, my doctor came back in. She came to check me. Um, and I was six centimeters, um, and I was a little bit discouraged because I was like, oh, I thought that, like, this is going to progress much quicker like it did with my first. Um, after that, when she was checking me, she said that she could feel the baby's umbilical cord and that, you know, we just had to be aware of that. Baby was looking really good on the monitor. I was doing fine, um, that we were going to continue on with the labor, but we had to monitor it a little bit closer. Um, after she left the room... Um, I went to the washroom and I came out. I, well, I kicked the door open actually. (laughs) 
And the nurse that was standing there, I was like, something's happening. And my body was just pushing. And that was a feeling that I'd never felt before. Um, with my first son, I was, I was forced to be on my back the whole time because I was, my water had broken. And for some reason, she felt that that was the best option for me was just to lie there. So I never got that urge to push. Whereas with my daughter, I was standing up and I was like, something's happening. Um, and the nurse was like, you're pushing, you're pushing. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm only six centimeters. Like, this can't be happening. Um, and then that, like, initial, like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a baby hit me. <laughs> and um, my husband was, like, getting his camera out. He was like, I'm going to get I'm videoing this. This is going to be great. Um, they called my doctor and my um, and the rest of, like, her team in. Um, because with a breech birth, a breech vaginal birth, um, they have the peds team on hand just because sometimes breech babies come out a little bit shocky um, and need a little bit of help. Um, they were on call, so they were outside the door while um, I was pushing. So my doctor came in. They set up um, mats on the floor because I wanted to stand. So they, they put the mats all around me. I'm pushing. Um, everything was going really well. I sat down, and um, in, uh, from being six centimeters to my daughter's birth, uh, was 21 minutes. It was it was really fast. Um, she came out really with no problem. Um, she didn't need any help after birth. She um, her Apgars were nine, and um, yeah, she uh, is two now. <laughs> wow, wow, that was just a remarkable story. It is giving me chills, and oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing. Posted on the website, Dr. Berlin's Informed Pregnancy is an article called Heads Up, The Disappearing Art of Vaginal Breach Delivery. Today's educational fact is on delivering a baby vaginally when a baby shows a breach presentation. Before the year of 2000, women were given a choice whether or not they would like to deliver their, babies, their breach baby vaginally or via cesarean. In 2001, a single study was done that had some flaws. Soon after, education to medical students on breach deliveries was completely eliminated, and women who were once given two choices were now only given one, and that was to have their breech baby via cesarean. Seeing a breech baby in the delivery room has become very rare. Some doctors are not even able to provide a real reason as to why it's not safe. This is very frustrating. Breach birth may not be for everyone, but an informed decision is. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, post on social media with the hashtag #WhyWeVBAC and tag at the VBAC link or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com, for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.